If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Hi, everyone. This is Clint. This is Ross. This is Joel. This is Cutter. This is Tony. From Three Beers In. A proud member of Big Heads Media Network. Each episode, we review local Austin craft beer and talk about... Clove and Bananas. References I don't get. And Academy Award winner, Matthew McConaughey. So tune in. Crack open a beer. And hang out with us. Find us on BigHeadsMedia.com. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify... Or on three beers in podcast.com. This is the podcast. Podeskew Podcast is a proud member of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Welcome everybody to the Don't adjust your headphones. Joker back in town. I figured it'd be best to intro this episode with someone who actually has some talent. <laughs> Not for nothing, CJ, but I'll be the clown with the snarky comments. So, written by Henry J. Wentworth, eh? What's the J stand for, I wonder? <laughs> I doubt how much therapy Henry truly needs after writing this dribble. The narration will be done by some moron from Jersey. Characters are supplied by people who think they can actually act. And I'll be played by a fool who has too big of an ego to let anyone else play the cloud prince of crime. But I digress. So sit back and kick your cloud shoes off and enjoy this bunch of toilet paper. Let's hope this works out and this episode doesn't ruin us. Because all it takes is one bad play. Well, that was fun. Who's in the mood for Mexican? Batman Alone is a fan fiction story, Wentworth. Harvey Dent sits in the back seat of a limousine with blacked out windows. He is handsome with black combed hair, dark eyes, and a strong chin. He wears a gray suit and black glasses as he reads a newspaper emblazoned with the headline... Dent achieves full convictions for Maroney family, and his photograph underneath the headline. He smiles triumphantly as he folds the paper and puts it on the seat. The car stops outside a large detached house. Dent leans forward and speaks to the driver. Thanks, Walker. That's okay, sir. Congratulations once again on, on your convictions yesterday. Thanks. Thank you. Dent picks up a bunch of flowers from the limousine and walks up to his house. He opens the front door and walks in. As Den steps into the house and looks ahead of him, his face freezes at what he sees. His wife and teenage daughter sitting on chairs with guns pointed at their heads by three men dressed all in black and wearing ski masks. Dent's wife screams out at him. Dent is too shocked by the situation to move. 
From behind him, two men step forward, also dressed in black and carrying handguns. One hits Dent hard in the back of the head with the butt of his gun. Dent's wife screams out once again. Dent wakes with a start as he is tied to a chair with rope around his wrists and ankles. There's gaffer tape over his mouth and a trickle of blood runs down his head. He attempts to make a noise through the gaffer tape. Four men wearing black suits walk into the repair shop where Dent is being held. One carries a portable television and sets it in front of Dent. One of the men pulls the tape from his mouth and they all stand before him, smirking. Dent looks up at them. Where is my family? They're safe. For now. Dent yells out and attempts to move from the chair, but only succeeds in knocking himself to the floor. The thugs laugh. They pick him back up and face him towards the TV. One of them pulls out a phone and sends a message. He turns on the TV and lets Dent see the screen. On the TV screen are Dent's wife and daughter. Dent screams out in fear and anger. No! No, let them go! I'm, I'm the one you want! If you want to hurt someone, hurt me! One of the thugs crouches down to talk to Dent. Oh, we're going to hurt you, Dent. Don't worry about that. The four thugs lay into Dent. They kick and punch him while he's still on the ground. He grunts and yells in pain. The thugs finish beating Dent up. One steps forward and picks up Dent's head so he can look him in the eyes. I want you to know, Harvey, this is nothing personal. But you put my old man and my uncle away, and we can't let that slide. The thug signals to the TV. On the screen, a masked man steps behind Dent's wife and daughter and shoots them both in the head with a silenced handgun. They both slump forward in their chairs, dead. Dent screams out and begins sobbing in his chair. One the thug kicks him to the ground so the right side of his face is pressed to the hard concrete floor. The thug stands over him, looking down at the sobbing, broken man. Dent speaks in between his sobs. Kill me. Just kill me. The thug doesn't have it in him to even taunt Dent. He takes a container full of boiling sulfuric acid... He pours it all over the left side of Dent's face. He screams out in pain and rises on the floor, but can barely move because of the ropes. The thugs leave the warehouse. From outside, yells can be heard from the thugs. The sound of a struggle taking place and finally silence. Dent looks at the door. His vision has gone very blurry, and he sees a dark, ominous figure walk into the repair shop, dressed all in black with a black cape flowing as he runs towards Dent. Dent passes out as the figure approaches him. A man sits in an empty restaurant at a table alone. He eats a huge plate of spaghetti bolognese, not taking care to wipe his face. He is a very short, balding man with a hooked nose and beady eyes, one of which holds a monocle in its socket. This is the penguin. An anonymous goon steps up to the penguin. Oswald, he's here. Show him in. The goon reappears with Harvey Dent and Dent's bodyguards. Only this is not the same Harvey Dent as before. Harvey's face is now horrendously disfigured on one side with the acid having burnt into his face, leaving his eye bulging, his teeth exposed, and his hair burn away. He wears a custom-made white and black suit split straight down the middle. There is no longer Harvey Dent. This is Two-Face. Even Penguin is visibly shocked by Two-Face's appearance. Jesus. Two-Face takes a seat opposite Penguin, who offers him his hand. So you're the one they call Two-Face. The acid has damaged Two-Face's throat, leaving him with a rasping slur of a voice. And you're the Penguin. 
I prefer Oswald. And I prefer to have my life back, but the world is cruel. Can I offer you? Two-Face doesn't wait for Penguin to offer before reaching out for Penguin's open bottle of wine and taking a long swig. Thanks. Well, you're making me feel a little less self-conscious there, Two-Face. I was sure I'd be the ugliest guy here tonight. (laughs) Neither side of Two-Face's face shows a flicker of emotion. He simply reaches into his top pocket and takes out a dollar coin with one side burned. He flips it into the air. What are we flipping for? The coin lands in Two-Face's hand, scarred side up. Two-Face looks up at the and punches the penguin square in the face. I was in two minds over whether or not to break your nose. You're an unlucky man. A penguin goon holds a gun to Two-Face's head. Two-Face elbows him in the crotch and uses the distraction to grab his tie and smash him into the table, knocking him out. He picks up the goon's gun and points it directly at the penguin. You mention anything like that again, I will break something that will not fix. Understood? Very well, then. Penguin takes a napkin to clean his face. Now, Penguin, tell me what you want to speak to me about. Well, since you and your little gang pretty much cleaned out Maroney's entire empire... Nice work on that, by the way. My only regret is that the agonizing pain I put them all through didn't last longer. I'm sure, but your gang are still pretty amateur. I could use a person like yourself and my crew. Is that so? You're merciless, Two-Face. You'd be an unstoppable enforcer under my rule. I'll be honest with you, Penguin. Your crime racket bores me. I am not interested in money or hurting people. All I want is Batman. Moroni's been taken care of. That just leaves the bat. As soon as I've in the world of him, I could die a happy man. You never heard the expression, my enemy's enemy is my friend? I want the bat god just as much as you, Two-Face. What if we work together to bring him down? I'll get the bat on my own, Penguin. You got far bigger problems than the bat. You ought to be more concerned about that clown. That makeup-wearing freak's new in town. He doesn't understand how things are done in my city. He'll be taught a lesson in time. Penguin's words are interrupted by the Batmobile driving straight through the wall of the restaurant. The doors burst open and the Penguin's goons rush in to see what has happened. Kill him! The Penguin's goons all pull out guns and fire on the Batmobile. Penguin screams at his goons. Ah, shoot it! Shoot it! They empty their magazines into the car and wait for him to exit. One goon takes a few steps back until it's revealed he is standing directly in front of Batman. Batman taps him on the shoulder. The goon spins around and is knocked out by Batman. With these sounds, the goons all spin around and fire on Batman, only all their guns are empty. Batman hurls a batarang at the ceiling and brings a chandelier down on top of the goons, knocking them all out. He spins around and runs at Penguin. Oh, shit. Penguin reaches down for his umbrella that doubles up as a gun, but he's not quick enough. The Batman kicks the umbrella out of his hand and punches him against the wall. Sure you can move all right in that leather outfit, Batman? Batman punches Penguin in the mouth, and he fixes a pair of back cuffs to his wrists. 
You are far from my list of priorities, Cobblepot. Batman is distracted by Two-Face smashing a chair over his back and kicking him to the ground. Batman rounds on Two-Face and looks shocked as he sees his old friend. Harvey. Two-Face. Harvey Dent is dead. You ought to know. You helped kill him. Your family's death wasn't my fault, Harvey. You could have protected them. We were in this together, and I had everything taken away from me. You need help, Harvey. Give it up. Two-Face hits Batman square in the face. I told you, my name is Two-Face! Two-Face pulls a handgun from his holster and unloads on Batman. He falls back and lays on the ground motionless. Two-Face escapes through the hole in the wall created by the Batmobile. Completely unhurt, Batman stands up and looks after Two-Face, who is long gone with sadness in his eyes. And there was I thinking you helped people, Batman. You must have done a terrific job with him. Batman knocks the penguin out. Shut up, bird. Late at night, Robin walks into an abandoned factory. He is cautious and he looks around him continually with his long staff ready in his hands. From behind him, he hears a high-pitched women's laugh. <laughs> he darts around to look for the source of the noise. Come out, Dr. Quinzel. There's nowhere to run. Robin touches a button on his bell, which starts to flash red. From behind Robin, Harley Quinn swings in on Acrobat's trebies, hooked to the ceiling. Her legs are hooked around the bar, and in her hands is her custom baseball bat. She hits Robin hard in the head with the bat and knocks him unconscious. Robin drops to the floor, his staff dropping from his hands, and Harley lands on her feet, straightens up, and runs her hand through her dyed hair. I got it, Puddin! From out of the shadows comes a tall, thin Joker, laughing as he looks at Robin on the ground. <laughs> the Joker's wearing his suit and purple coat. Harley jumps and wraps her legs around him and kisses him. <laughs> Joker puts her down and takes off his coat. He hands it to Harley and pulls from the inside pocket a large crowbar. He turns to Robin. Let's have some fun with the little bird. Joker grins and swings the crowbar down. Bruce Wayne sits at his computer in the Batcave wearing the Batsuit with the exception of his cowl. On the screen behind him, a red signal appears reading Distress Call. Bruce runs over to the screen and types into the computer, Locate. Robin's location is traced on the computer. As Bruce sees where it is, he runs to his mask, pulls it over his head, and jumps into the Batmobile, speeding off into the night. As Batman drives the Batmobile to Robin's location, he fixes his eyes on the road. He receives a call and answers it. Jason. The sound of Joker's shrieking laugh fills the Batmobile. <laughs> Batman looks furious as he hears it. Where is he? Little red bird who couldn't fly, fell to the ground and is sure to die. Joker laughs again as the sound of a man groaning in pain is heard. Where is he? We're playing a game, Bats, but you better hurry up if you want to join. Because I'm pretty sure I'm about to win. The line goes dead as Batman speeds towards his location. 
As the Batmobile arrives at the abandoned factory, Batman jumps out of the car and runs to the entrance. Batman steps cautiously into the factory. He holds a batarang in his hand as he walks around. There is no sound from the factory at all. The Joker and Harley are not heard laughing, nor are there any groans in pain from Robin. Batman steps around the corner and sees a figure lying on the floor. He has a yellow cape splattered with blood on his back and black hair. Batman's face falls as he sees this. He says quietly, Jason. Batman runs to the body and crouches down. He turns Robin's body over to find that it's a dummy with a black wig and yellow cape. The face of the dummy has a red smile. The Joker's laugh echoes all around the silent factory. Batman turns to see the Joker walking towards him. <laughs> Just my little joke, Batman! Batman runs at the Joker and tackles him to the ground. The Joker groans through the laughing. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I missed you too, darling! What have you done with him? Joker nods to the side of Batman. Batman turns and sees a flat screen television. The Joker reaches into his pocket and takes out a remote control that he uses to turn on the television. Harley and Jason appear on the screen. Jason is not wearing his mask or cape and his face is beaten badly. He sits in a chair with Harley walking up and down behind him holding the Joker's crowbar. From the ground, the Joker shouts at the screen. Do it, baby! Kill him! Right out, put it! From behind Jason, Harley hits him in the head and continues to pummel him with the crowbar. Batman falls to his knees watching his friend die. Joker stands and pats Batman's shoulder. It's okay, Batman. I know how you feel. I'd be sad if my partner went down so weak, too. Batman looks up at Joker, a rage in his eyes as he's never experienced. He hits the Joker under the chin, lifting him off the ground and crashing him down on his back. Batman jumps on top of the Joker and punches him in the face repeatedly. The Joker's face is a bloody mess. He spits blood and teeth out of his mouth into Batman's face. As Batman is distracted, Joker jumps up and runs away laughing as he runs. <laughs> Batman walks into the correct factory. He finds Jason laying before him. The floor is covered in blood. There's a camera on a stand in front of the chair that Jason's body is tied to. Batman approaches and crouches down to look at his dead partner. On Jason's Red Robin costume is spray-painted a red smiley face. Batman's eyes fill with tears as he cradles Jason's broken body in his arms. It's three years later and a dark silhouette of a woman is seen sitting on a rooftop in Gotham. Batgirl sits on top of a building holding a phone in her hand. A message pops up from Dick Grayson that reads, Come by my place in an hour. She looks up and sees a black and red suited woman running down the street holding a bag. Smiling as she sees Harley Quinn, she messages back, Make it too, I love you. Batgirl tucks the phone into her belt and uses a batarang attached to a wire to propel herself to the ground. She lands in front of Harley Quinn, and Harley starts running in the opposite direction to get away from Batgirl. Two pairs of legs run down the street. The pair in front are red and black with red and black shoes on opposite feet. The pair of legs behind her are leather-clad and wearing thigh-high boots. Batgirl's black cape and long red hair flow in the wind. Harley's blue and red dyed pigtails blow in the wind as she turns around to see if she's gotten away from Batgirl. Harley's eyeshadow and lipstick have been smudged. Harley runs into an abandoned warehouse and up the stairs. Batgirl presses a button on her belt and lets out a quick beeping sound and runs in after Harley. Slowly and silently, she walks around the warehouse in the shadows. 
She presses the button on the side of her night vision goggles. For her, her point of view, the room changes to green. She scans around looking for Harley. I know you're here, Dr. Quinzel. Give it up. There are people who can help you. You should know. You used to be one of those good people. From behind Batgirl, a baseball bat swings and hits her in the side of the head, smashing her night vision goggles. Batgirl stumbles to one side and hits the wall. As she pulls the broken goggles from her head and wipes a stream of blood from the side of her head, Harley looks completely demented and she lunges at Batgirl, swinging the bat at her. Batgirl does a spinning kick and kicks the baseball bat out of Harley's hands. At that point, the window's smashed and Batman enters the room. He stands tall with his black cape blowing in the wind, and he steps towards Harley with Batgirl at his side. It's over, Harlene. There's nowhere to run. No one will get hurt if you just come quietly. Harley smiles at Batman in a disturbingly knowing way. I don't think so, Bats. It's not right, Pudding. That's right, my sweet. Harley giggles as Batman and Batgirl turn around. <laughs> Standing before them is the Joker. His green hair tasseled all over, his red lips stretching into a horrendous gleaming white smile. He wears a red shirt, yellow coat, and purple pants. The Joker grins down at Batman, and Batman looks up at him with sheer fury in his eyes. <laughs> Remember what happened here all those years ago, Bats? Right where you're standing is where I killed him, Batbrain. Here's a little souvenir. Harley throws a blood-encrusted crowbar in front of Batman and Batgirl. Batman's eyes go wide as he sees the crowbar. I just couldn't bring myself to clean the blood off, Bats. <laughs> Batman can't take no more. He hurls a batarang directly towards Harley's chest. Joker dives at Harley and pushes her to the ground. He stands up and looks at the Batman. My turn, you gruesome son of a bitch! Joker raises his arm and a concealed derringer springs from his sleeve and into his hand. He fires two shots straight at Batgirl, hitting her twice in the stomach. The force of it knocks Batgirl backwards and out a window. Batman looks horrified as he can do nothing but watch Batgirl fall from the window. No. Harley takes her chance and runs towards the Joker. Batman drops his gun and runs to the window. He looks 30 feet down at Batgirl, laying spread-eagled on the ground, blood running from her stomach. He looks back at the Joker standing in the doorway, and the Joker grins at him. Another one bites the dust, freak. Only time to get one of us, and believe me, she ain't got long. Joker kisses his hand goodbye to Batman, and as he disappears, his ear-splitting horrible laugh echoes all around the warehouse. <laughs> Batman picks up his grappling gun and propels himself to where Batgirl is laying. Barbara, can you hear me? Batgirl's vision is hazy as she looks up at Batman. She groans as she faintly speaks to him. Bruce... He got me good. Try not to talk. I, I'm going to get you to a hospital. Batman picks up Batgirl and runs to the Batmobile. He lays her in the passenger seat and drives off into the night. The Batmobile flies up to the hospital. Tires screeching as Batman slams on the brakes. He jumps out of the car and picks up a now unconscious Batgirl and runs with her into the hospital. Carrying her through the doors, Batman yells, This woman needs help. Two doctors wheel a stretcher over to Batman and take Batgirl from his arms, laying her on the stretcher. Is that the Batgirl? Jesus. Batman puts a hand on the doctor's shoulder. 
Call the GCPD. Get Gordon and Bullock down here. That's... That's Gordon's daughter. As Commissioner James Gordon sits in his office nursing a scotch and reading a report, Detective Harvey Bullock stands at the window in Gordon's office smoking a cigarette. The phone on Gordon's desk starts to ring. He answers it. Gordon here. Commissioner Gordon, this is Dr. Allen at Gotham General. We need you to try and stay calm, sir. But your daughter is here, and she's in critical condition. We need you to come in. Could you come in? Gordon's face falls. He runs a hand over his mouth. Uh, I'll, I'll be right there. Gordon puts the phone down and rushes to put his hat and coat on. Bullock turns around and stubs out a cigarette. Jim, what's happened? Barbara's down at the Gotham General. Come on, Bullock. You can drive me. Gordon runs out of the office. Bullock finishes Gordon's scotch and then follows him out the door. As they arrive, Gordon and Bullock run into the hospital. Gordon holds up his badge and ID and shouts at the receptionist. Barbara Gordon, where is she? Down the hall, room 205. Gordon and Bullock run down the hall and into the room. In her hospital room, Barbara lays unconscious in bed. Dr. Allen stands at the end of the bed holding a clipboard. Batman stands at the back of the room in the shadows. Bullock looks angrily at him, and Gordon moves to his daughter's side and takes her hand. Barbara? Barbara, can you hear me? Commissioner, she's on heavy painkillers. She won't wake up for a while. What the hell happened? Batman lowers his head as Dr. Allen speaks to Gordon. Commissioner, before I tell you that there's something you need to know. Just tell me what's happened to my daughter now, goddammit. Batman steps forward and stands next to Gordon. Barbara was chasing after Harley Quinn. I turned up, but she was ambushed by the Joker. Joker shot her, and she fell from the window. I I was the one who bought her here. What the hell was Barbara chasing after Harley Quinn for? Jim, Barbara is Batgirl. Gordon's mouth drops open in disbelief. He looks from his daughter to Batman. His face turns to a look of rage, and he punches Batman in the face. Batman stumbles back, blood running down his face. Bullock smiles to himself, and Gordon turns to Batman. Why? Why didn't you tell me? Jim, Barbara swore me to secrecy. We hardly ever worked together. She only ever helped me on occasions. I tried to warn her away from all this. Gordon grabs Batman and pushes him against the wall. Bullock runs over and drags Gordon off him. Well, then you failed. Spectacularly. Gordon turns away from Batman and back to Dr. Allen. What's going to happen to her? Well, the bullet went through her stomach and straight out her back. We were able to stop the bleeding very quickly, so there was no lasting damage there. But she fell around 30 feet onto solid ground, and the impact broke her spine. I'm sorry, Commissioner, but she'll almost certainly never walk again. Gordon sits in the chair and removes his glasses. Bullet closes his eyes. Oh, Jesus. Gordon looks over at Batman. Get out. I don't want you anywhere near my daughter ever again. Batman silently walks to the window and shoots a grappling hook to lower himself to the ground. Back at Wayne Manor, Dick Grayson is sitting in the room. He checks his watch and sends a message to Barbara. Are you in your way yet? Alfred walks into the room to speak to Master Grayson. Expecting company this evening, Master Dick? I sure am, Al. Barbara should be here any minute. Would you mind cooking something up for us? Alfred looks a little anxious. 
Dick looks a little confused at Alfred. What's wrong, Al? Has she called? Is she going to be late? Master Dick, it's, it's really not my place to tell you, sir. Tell me what? From behind Dick, the television flashes, breaking news. He turns around to see Barbara's picture next to a blurry image of the Batgirl. The headline reads, Batgirl Revealed? Followed by a sub-headline reading, Barbara Gordon in critical condition after possibly being revealed as the mass vigilante Batgirl. Dick looks flabbergasted at the screen. He runs from the room, putting on his biker jacket and helmet, speeding off into the night on his motorcycle. Dick parks his bike in the lot at Gotham Central and runs up to the doorway. The press surround the entrance and swarm him as he approaches. Infuriated, he grabs a few of the cameras and smashes them to the ground before making it into the hospital. He runs into the hospital and says to the receptionist, Barbara Gordon, please. The receptionist rolls his eyes. How many times do I have to tell you people Miss Gordon cannot see anyone? I'm not press. I'm her boyfriend. One of your friends already tried that line. Just leave the poor girl alone. He slams his hand on the table. Listen to me. My girlfriend is laying in there, and I'm not sure she's going to live. Get Gordon out here, and he'll tell you who I am. Gordon stands in the hallway and calls out to him. Grayson, down here. As he walks towards the room with Gordon, two police officers holding machine guns stand outside Barbara's room, look up at him. He's with me, boys. Get the door. One of the officers opened the door, allowing Gordon and Dick entry. Inside the room, he walks towards Barbara's bed and takes her hand. Baby? Barbara? Can you hear me? She's on heavy painkillers, Dick. She can't hear us. Commissioner, what happened? Joker shot her, and she fell from the window. The impact broke her spine. She'll be paralyzed for life. He turns away from Gordon and runs his hand over his shaved head. Is it true what they're saying? Was she really Batgirl? Yes. Batman brought her here. A look of sheer rage flashes across Dick's face. His hands shake as he exits the room without a word. Back at Wayne Manor, Dick pulls up on his motorcycle and looks up at the manor. He enters through the front doors. As he enters, he looks around the manor to find Alfred. Alfred looks sternly at him. Where is he? Master Bruce is in the cave, sir. Dick walks downstairs to the cellar and behind a false painting which hides a secret coded door. He passes through it. He stands at the top of the stairs and looks around the bat cave. The Batmobile is parked at the beginning of a gigantic bridge. Various bat suits for different occasions line up next to one another, and at the end stands his red and black hooded Robin costume. He sees Bruce sitting behind his large screen computer and shouts from the top of the stairs. Bruce! Bruce! Bruce doesn't answer him as he carries on typing. Dick storms down the stairs and up to Bruce. He smashes the computer monitor with his motorcycle helmet. Bruce turns to look at him. Tell me you didn't know. Grow up. Of course I knew. Why didn't you tell me? Barbara made me swear never to tell anyone, especially your Gordon. She was my world, Bruce. If you wouldn't tell me about her, why didn't you keep her safe? We we hardly worked together. I didn't even know what was happening until she called for my help tonight. Bruce stands up and walks past Dick. As he does, Dick grabs him and turns him around. Hey, hey! Don't you dare turn your back on me! 
You're not walking away from me here. I'm exhausted, Dick. I don't want to do this right now. As Bruce continues walking away from him, Dick screams at him. How many more? How many more have to go before you admit to yourself the bat has taken over you? You have no emotional connection to anyone anymore. That's why you shut me and Gordon out. That's why Barbara will never walk again. And that's why you couldn't save Dent and Jason. What's worse is you still think this is all for your parents. Do you think they'd be proud to see their son like this? To see what you've now become? Bruce stops as he gets to the top of the stairs. He turns around and looks at his partner. Something snaps behind his eyes and he roars like a crazed animal and runs at Dick. (laughs) Lifting him off the ground and smashing him into the television screens. Dick hits his mentor in the face, making blood run from his nose as Bruce headbutts him and throws him across the room onto the ground. Dick crouches and runs at Bruce, jumping on him and pinning him to the ground. He savagely hits Bruce. Bruce hits Dick in the ribs, winding him and using this to throw Dick off him. Dick runs at Bruce again, but Bruce kicks him in the stomach, sending him flying across the room into the batarangs. Dick grabs one and hurls it at Bruce, and it hits him and stabs him through the shoulder. Bruce yells out in pain and runs at Dick again. He picks him up and throws him through the glass case holding the Robin costume. The case shatters and the costume crumples to the ground. The material is cut by the glass. Bruce falls to his knees and pulls the batarang out of his shoulder. Dick lays, breathing heavily, seriously hurt. The two men look at each other. Get out. Get out of my house. You're not my partner. And you are not my friend. Dick stands holding his ribs and crouches down to pick up the Robin costume. Bruce points to him. You. You don't deserve to wear that suit. Leave it where it is. He stands up and struggles to exit without a word or backward glance, and Bruce struggles to his desk and speaks into a microphone. Alfred, come down here, please. Bruce leans back in his chair and sees a picture on the ground with the glass smashed. He picks it up to see his parents. He rocks his head back and closes his eyes as tears well up when he opens them. Four men in a black limousine drive through a dark street in a city with huge buildings. They all wear pinstripe suits, wingtips, and fedoras. They pull up outside a deserted building. From outside the car, a man, also dressed in a pinstripe suit, walks up to the car. He speaks to the men inside with a strong New York accent. He ain't here yet, boss. He's that bitch he hangs out with. The penguin in the back seat leans forward. He is smoking a cigarette from a long cigarette holder. The smoke obscures his face. That cute blonde. Well, she will be so cute when we're finished with her. The four men get out of the car and surround the penguin as they walk into the building. Inside the building, the five men walk into an office. There's a desk and ripped leather chair where a young woman with blonde hair and a long red dress is sitting with her feet on the desk. She screams with pleasure when she sees the men. Hi, boys! Harley stands and approaches the men. She holds out a hand. So, which one of you is Penguin? The men all look awkwardly at each other. Penguin steps forward, looking furiously at Harley. I don't like people calling me that bitch. Why? Looks like you earned it. Harley nods to the penguin's large belly. This only makes him more furious. I ain't come here to be insulted. I came to discuss things with your makeup-wearing boyfriend. Now, where is he? 
A flash of fury appears on Harley's face, but she soon smiles again. My pudding will be here soon. Until then, I'm Harley. Harley holds out a hand, but the penguin doesn't take it. Oswald, sit down, Broad. Harley sits at the end, one end of the desk, Penguin at the other. So, what's your problem, Penguin? You call me that again, and I'll rearrange that pretty little face for you. What's your problem, Oswald? You know what? I don't even need to speak to the clown. You just tell him this from Oswald Cobblepot. I see him anywhere near my turf again, and his bitch won't be treated so nice. Boys. Two of the Penguin's men put a hand on Harley's shoulders to hold her into her chair. Another two step in front of her. Penguin talks to Harley. <laughs> Nothing personal, sweetie. The two henchmen of Penguin's begin to viciously beat her up. Harley moans ah. with pleasure as the men punch ah. her. They look confused ah. at her reaction to the beating. Finally, one of the men punches her so hard he knocks her to the ground. Penguin approaches Harley and looks down at her bruised, bloody face. He smiles and puts his wingtip on her chest. <laughs> Anything you want to say, sweetie? Harley moans and splits blood all over Penguin's shoe and bursts into hysterical <sighs> laughter. <laughs> Penguin and his men all look at each other, almost disturbed at Harley's laugh. This bitch's fucking nuts. Yeah, Penguin. I got something to say. Put in! From the doorway comes Joker's maniacal <laughs> laughter. <laughs> the five men all look around to see him wearing a black tuxedo and holding a machine gun. He screams at Harley. Baby, now! Harley dives at Penguin and wrestles him to the ground. As the other four go for their gun, Joker fires the machine gun at the kneecaps, crippling them. They all fall to the floor, screaming in pain. Joker drops his machine gun and approaches the men holding a straight razor. He laughs as he slowly cuts each of their throats, blood spraying all over his suit jacket. Harley lays on top of Penguin to keep him from being hit by the machine gun. She gets up off him and runs to the Joker. She leaps up and wraps her legs around his waist as they kiss. Did they hurt you bad, baby? I did what I had to, Puddin'. Penguin takes this opportunity and runs for the door of the warehouse. Harley notices him running over the Joker's shoulder. She pulls out Joker's custom handgun of his holster and shoots the Penguin twice in the leg. Joker and Harley approach Penguin as he groans in pain. <coughs> Joker steps on Penguin's bullet wound and the Penguin screams. <coughs> now, Mr. Cobblepot. I believe you wanted to speak to me about something. What can I do for you? Listen, clown, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you and that crazy bitch can do what you want. Joker snaps his finger and holds out his hand. Harley puts his handgun into the Joker's hand, and he shoots a penguin once in the kneecap. Penguin screams in pain and grabs his leg as the Joker grabs his lapel and holds him up to his face, screaming at the penguin. You listen to me, you fat old bastard. You might have been something once upon a time, but your days are long over. The city belongs to me now. You come near me or my woman ever again, I'll drop you off a bridge. What a fitting end for you, the bird who couldn't fly. Fell to his death 
<laughs> Joker and Harley start to laugh hysterically again. Joker takes out his knife and stabs the penguin through his hand with it. The penguin starts to scream in pain again. Little something to remember me by. Come on, baby, we're leaving. Joker pulls his knife out of the penguin's hand and supports Harley as they walk to the exit. They walk to Joker's purple sports car as he lays Harley down in the passenger seat. Joker sits in the driver's seat, pulls out his gun, and fires two shots into strategically placed gas canisters in the doorway of the building where Penguin is. The gas canisters explode and a huge fire rips through the building. The Joker shrieks with laughter as he speeds off into the night with the building burning behind him. On the walls behind where Joker has just driven away is a red, white, and blue poster emblazoned with the words, Vote for Luther. At a political rally in Metropolis, a tall, bald man approaches a podium with several microphones attached to it. He is in his late 40s with a strong, proud stance and a stern but friendly face. He wears a dark blue suit, white shirt, and red tie. This is Lex Luthor. He smiles to his supporters who are all wearing pins or waving banners that read such slogans as Lex for President, Luther 2020, and In Lex We Trust. He raises his arms wide and speaks into the microphone. My dear people, thank you for such a warm reception. It means so much more to me here than anywhere else as this, like many of you, is my All the crowd begin to cheer and applaud once again. Lex smiles and holds up a hand for silence. Thank you, thank you my people. However, as you are all aware of my own humble opinion, a terrible shadow has been cast over our wonderful city, and indeed, on the country itself. I am talking, of course, the destructive, superpowered idiot known as the Superman. The crowd begin cheering once again. Some young, freakishly dressed supporters hold signs with No Superman, America for Americans, and Superman's logo with a spray-painted red X over it. Lex holds up his hand and continues to speak. Now I know my political opponents, and indeed some of you here today may well look at me. Lex Luthor, business tycoon, billionaire, white capitalist, the 1%. Don't get me wrong, I have profited and enjoyed a privileged life off the back of my wealth. However, once upon a time, I was no different to any of you. I may well not have lived your lives, but I have always considered myself a man of the people. I made my fortune off my own back and savvy, helped greatly by the people of Metropolis, and now is the time for me to give something back to the great city. Today I am here to announce the Luther Project, which will finance the rebuilding of our city after the years of devastation caused to it by the so-called savior. Well, I give you my word today, people. Under the rule of Lex Luthor, neither Metropolis nor any other city in the world will never again live in fear of the chaos and destruction caused by Superman. They say powers. I say problems. They say hero. I say hardship. So tell me, who are you going to vote for next week? Lex Luthor smiles his triumphant smile once again and raises his arms into the air before everyone who chant, cheer, and applaud Lex. 
In a large living room is a woman in her late 20s sitting on a couch drinking a glass of wine. She has long brown hair, thin glasses, sharp eyes, and a slim physique. This is Lois Lane. Lois watches a news report from her couch. After today's shocking new announcement from the Democratic presidential candidate and Metropolis's very own Lex Luthor, which saw the business tycoon make a plea to rebuild the still derelict areas of the city center after the devastating damage inflicted during Superman's battle with a war criminal known as Zod. The opinion polls for Mr. Luthor have taken a dramatic turn, now giving him a lead of 86% over his opponent and known Superman advocate, Iris Monroe. Mr. Luther's campaign has been mostly based around the promise to use his knowledge of applied sciences and resources in the manufacturing and scientific fields to promote technological progresses for the common people. With less than a week to go until the election, it would be pretty safe to bet that this time next week, Lex Luther will be sitting in the Oval Office. Lois scowls at the TV, currently displaying Luther's grinning face, and finishes the rest of her wine. Bastard. At that moment, Lois's phone buzzes from the side of her. She picks it up and reads a message from Clark. I'll be a little late. I love you. Lois looks over at the table beside her and notices Clark's large black framed glasses resting there. She smiles and rolls her eyes. Inside his limousine, Lex sits with his secretary, furiously reading statistics from her smartphone. Lex is smiling to himself, absentmindedly looking at the city of Metropolis. His secretary's words are phased out as he looks at the various skyscrapers and office buildings being constructed with all the machinery emblazoned by the LexCorp logo. You're tracking hard after your speech, sir. It looks as though your gamble has paid off. The people truly are against Superman. It's not a gamble when you know you're going to win, my dear. And after all, it's not like we got this far entirely on our own. Which reminds me, Miss Graves. Lex calls out to his driver. A screen comes down separating the front from the back of the car. In the front of the car is a smart and stern-looking woman. She has dark eyes and red lips. She wears a dark gray jacket and gray flat cap. This is Lex Luthor's personal bodyguard and driver. She looks at the rearview mirror at Lex. Mr. Luther? Take me via the laboratory. I need to speak with our guest scientist. Sir. As Lex approaches the laboratory, he walks through various security doors to access this hidden laboratory. First a handprint, then a retinal scan, and finally a voice-activated door. Lex speaks loudly and clearly. Alexander Joseph Luther. Thank you very much. The door finally opens, allowing Lex access to a huge laboratory, the size of a cathedral. All around Lex are computers, half-finished experiments, cybernetics, and a devarian laboratory as a humanoid sitting in front of a huge computer monitor with its hand inserted into the screen. The being has green skin and red lips, metallic-looking and bald. A series of metal circles are embedded in its forehead, three solid black circles intersected by straight lines. This being has its eyes closed and its face remains expressionless as its hands works its way into the computer. This is Brainiac. From behind Brainiac, Lex calls out to him. Brainiac opens his eyes. They are jet black and add nothing to his already expressionless face. My lord Brainiac, I seek an audience with you. 
Brainiac removes his hand from the computer, which morphs from a technological instrument into a green-skinned hand with black fingernails. Brainiac speaks to Lex with a monotone voice. Lex Luthor, to what do I owe the pleasure of your company? Pleasure of my company? So, you're starting to understand human emotions, are you? No, Lex Luthor. I have been researching human customs in regard to greeting one another in the appropriate manner. I have learned that an oft-repeated custom among your kind while greeting a person with affection is to imply their presence is a pleasure to experience. An oft-repeated custom while greeting a person with disdain is to tell them to go and fuck. Oh, yes, yes, I understand Earth customs very well. Thank you, Brainiac. A little better than you do, it would seem. Still, it's always nice to see you. I wish I understood why. So, Lex Luthor, why are you here? Well, I want to tell you that your manipulation of the American people's media has worked a charm, my friend. So, thank you for that. The manipulation of these primitive life forms, so-called gadgetry advances for the purpose of corrupting your government's democracy, has been an exceptionally easy task, Lex Luthor. I would assume your goal to becoming their leader is all but complete. Brainiac, I told you before, just call me Lex. However, you're quite right. This time next week, I will be the president. At which point I shall complete what I started long ago, and rid the universe of the final Kryptonian. You're damn right you will! <laughs> as soon as that red and blue Boy Scout is finally out of the way, I will introduce you to the world as the true savior and the new protector of Metropolis. Don't get me wrong, there'll be a few tears for the boy in the red boots, but as soon as they see what you can do, he'll be a long-forgotten memory. Plus, you've got a real immigrant thing going on for you. Apparently, that's really going to fly with the kids these days. Brainiac looks away from Lex and speaks more to himself. Jurel never understood my reasoning for the destruction of Krypton. He never saw that it was a necessity for my furthering the advancement of the universe. Luther looks back at Brainiac. I've never heard you discuss the boys' home. Brainiac, did you know of the destruction of Krypton? Do you know of the destruction of Krypton, Lex Luthor? I watched it happen. The faintest hint of a smile curls at the corners of Brainiac's red-lipped mouth, and his black eyes widen very slightly. I made it happen. Lex observes Brainiac, a look of surprise and impress on his face. So, it was you who killed the Boy Scouts, Mommy and Daddy, huh? My actions killed every living being on Krypton. Only one remains now. Kal-El will join Jor-El and Lara very soon, Lex Luthor. To collect and fully possess Krypton as a whole, I must destroy each and every one of their beings. I actually want to talk to you about that, Brainiac. You appear to have near-infinite intelligence, which I truly admire. Don't get me wrong, but we haven't managed to find a single weapon on this planet which can even put a scratch on this guy. Do you have some kind of way you can guarantee you'll get rid of him and he'll never return? 
When I left Krypton, Lex Luthor, my physical form wasn't the only thing which I took with me. There was something else. Lex peers into the deep pit before Brainiac's workstation. He walks towards it. Mind if I take a look? Brainiac puts a hand on Luther's chest to prevent him from going any further. My experiment is not yet complete, Lex Luthor. I require more time to adapt it to the atmosphere of your planet. It? Brilliant scientist by your planet's standards, you may well be, Lex Luthor. However, you wouldn't begin to understand if I tried to explain to you what I'm working on. Lex looks a little insulted at Brainiac's words, but smiles and straightens his tie. Well, I'll leave it in your capable hands then, Brainiac. I just stopped by to thank you and check how you were. I'll let you get back to your work. Until we meet again, Lex Luthor. Lex holds out a hand to Brainiac that Brainiac looks down at. He looks back at Lex and then turns his back on him and goes back to his work. Lex lowers his hand and walks to the exit. His pleasant smile drops to a scowl and he speaks under his breath as he walks away from Brainiac. New savior of Metropolis, my ass, you green-skinned son of a bitch. Back in his limousine, Lex sits back and looks to the television built into the wall, dividing the front and the back of the car. From the television, the same news anchor Lois was watching is giving her report. In other news, with the dramatic rise in criminal activities in the city of Gotham, following Police Commissioner Gordon's public dismissal of the masked vigilante known as Batman, the people of Metropolis have been plagued by criminals running scared from Gotham into our city, the most recent of which is a crime carried out by the masked criminal known as Deadshot. Lex rolls his eyes at the report and speaks to Mercy. Mercy, honey, we're not going home right away. Let's take a detour. Where to, sir? Gotham. Lex leans back in his seat. A knowing smile spreads across his face. Inside the office in an office building, two thugs wearing ski masks fill gym bags with cash from a large open safe in an elaborate office. Standing behind them is Floyd Lawton, also known as Deadshot. Lawton is tall with a muscular physique. He has black slicked hair and a thin black mustache. Lawton is wearing his red and silver costume and smokes a rolled brown skin cigarette as he watches his two thugs fill the bags with money. At the side of Lawton is his white deadshot mask and assault rifle. The two thugs finish filling their bags with money and start to leave. However, as they make their way from below them is a smash of glass. Lawton reacts instinctively. He pulls on his deadshot mask and raises his assault rifle. The two thugs pull out handguns and look around them. It's the cops. We've been set up here. Cops don't come through the window while we're 80 feet up in the air, idiot. Only one person can do that. You don't mean. At that exact moment, the ground below the thugs bursts apart and a flash of red lifts him clean off the ground and smashes him into the ceiling, knocking him unconscious. The flash of red disappears down the hole in the ground he just created. The other thug fires blindly and wildly into the hole in the ground, yelling. Deadshot saves his ammunition and focuses his red-lensed eye scope, moving all around the office, waiting for the next attack. The thug is breathing heavily and holding his handgun tightly. From behind him, the window of the office smashes, and the same flash of red flies at the thug and pushes him down the hole in the ground and disappears along with him. Deadshot looks around too late to react. 
Come on out, Boy Scout, son of a bitch. Now, is there any need for that language? Deadshot spins around to look at the man standing before him. Superman stands taller than Deadshot in his blue costume with red boots and his long red cape flowing in the wind. His face looks stern as he observes Deadshot with his jet black hair and piercing blue eyes. Deadshot steps back and raises his custom-mounted wrist gun from his right hand. He fires at Superman, hitting him in the face. Superman falls to the ground and lays motionless. Deadshot looks stunned, hardly daring to believe he actually got him. He looks down at his wrist gun and then to the Man of Steel lying motionless before him. Deadshot walks over to the still motionless Superman and looks at him again. There is no wound on Superman's face. Superman waits a second longer before opening his mouth and revealing the bullet caught between his teeth. Deadshot's eyes go wide with shock and Superman leans up and spits the bullet out of his mouth with the force of being fired from a gun. It passes straight through Deadshot's right thigh and out of the office window. Deadshot screams in pain and falls to the ground, clutching his leg. Superman slowly approaches the man and pulls off his mask. Lawton looks up at Superman in defiance. He calms himself down, but the look of agonizing pain is clear on his face. Superman speaks to Lawton. So tell me, Mr. Lawton, what exactly brings you to my city? Has Gotham finally run out of targets for you? Luther hired me to drop some guy who was causing his campaign problems. Then the cheap son of a bitch refused to pay me. Some bull about he couldn't be seen associated with guys like me. I'm just getting what's owed to me. Superman looks shocked at Lawton's words. He crouches down and grabs Lawton by the neck of his costume. Tell me that again. Lex Luthor hired you to take someone out? Yeah. Yeah. Some politician on his opposition who was causing his campaign problems. The guy who dropped him last week was me. Then Luther didn't pay up. As I said, I'm just getting what's owed to me. The only thing you'll be getting, Mr. Lawton, is 10 to 20 in the Bell Reeve after I've dropped you back to Director Waller myself. <laughs> Waller? Are you serious? She's put more men in the ground than I have. You might think those governors and leaders you work for are good and righteous, but let me tell you, Man of Steel, half of them are a million times worse than I am. At least I acknowledge I'm the bad guy. Superman punches Lawton on the chin and knocks him unconscious. In his office, Commissioner Jim Gordon sits behind his desk reading a report. Detective Bullock knocks and opens the door to his office and Gordon looks up at him. Bullock, give me some good news. What around the campfires, the flying boy in blue got dead shot. Waller called and said she had him put back in the secure unit of the Bell Reeve this morning. What was Deadshot doing in Metropolis? Uh, it seems that your current reputation for the way you're treating the criminals we catch is warning them away from the city, boss. Pretty soon, it'll just be the clown as crazy bitch running things. I thought it already was. You're pretty much right, boss. Last week, he burned down a building on the top of Coswell Cobblepot and his entire crew. Penguin's dead? We only had the lab report come back a few hours ago. It was him, all right. Gordon goes to a board that displays black and white mugshots of various criminals. Gordon takes a black marker pen and puts an X through the mugshot with the caption, The Penguin. Mugshots of the Riddler, Poison Ivy, Scarecrow, and Bane are also crossed out. The only mugshots still up are Catwoman, Two-Face, Harley Quinn, and at the very top is the largest black and white photograph of the Joker. One more down. 
We're one step closer to getting Batman. There's something else, sir. Yes? Lex Luthor is requesting a meeting with you. The presidential candidate? What does he want? He's requesting a meeting with you personally, sir. Very well, then. Show him in. Bullock exits Gordon's office, and after some time, he returns with Lex Luthor and Mercy Graves. Lex smiles and approaches Gordon's desk with his hand outstretched. Commissioner, it's a pleasure to meet you at last, sir. How, how do you do, Mr. Luthor? Gordon takes Lex's hand and offers him a seat. Thank you, Commissioner. May I call you James? Uh, Jim's fine, Mr. Luthor. In that case, Jim, please call me Lex. Well then, Lex, what can I do for you? Would you mind if we spoke in private? Of course. Uh, Harvey, give us a couple of minutes. Bullock and Mercy leave the office. Lex looks to Gordon. His face drops from pleasant to somber. Jim, the very first thing I wanted to do was offer you my sympathies. I was mortified when I heard what happened to your daughter. Gordon's face falls slightly. Thank you, Lex. It's... It's been difficult, you know. I can't begin to imagine. As a way of showing you my support, I've arranged one of the motorized wheelchairs from our new line in Lex Med to be delivered to your home. It will assist her the best it can. Lex, I... I couldn't possibly accept. I... You're damn right you can. No more will I see the lives of others destroyed by these cape-wearing freaks we call heroes. Now, please don't think I include your daughter in with them, Jim. She was manipulated by a world who glorified and glamorized the lives these people live, and she is the shining example of the damage they leave behind. Gordon considers for a moment. He nods in agreement with Lex. That does lead me to the real reason I came to speak with you, Jim. In politics, nothing is ever a sure thing. However, I'm fairly confident that next week... I'll be sworn in as this country's next president. I'm here to ask for your help and support in my first declaration, should such a thing happen. I'm listening. Inside the Batcave, Bruce Wayne is ferociously punching and kicking a heavy bag hanging from a chain. From his intercom comes Alfred's voice. Master Bruce, your security scanner is picking up an incoming flying object Heading to the cave via the tunnel, sir. Bruce runs to his computer and brings up the security monitors. He sees a flash of red and blue fly through the tunnel that leads to the cave. Bruce speaks into the intercom. Nothing to worry about, Alfred. Bruce looks around to see Superman fly out of the tunnel and land before him. Superman smiles as he sees Bruce. Bruce? Clark? It's good to see you. And you? It's been a while since I've seen a familiar, friendly face. Superman looks momentarily saddened. I, um, I heard what happened with Dick and Barbara. I'm sorry. Thank you. So, is this a flyby visit, or do you actually have something to talk to me about? I apprehended Deadshot yesterday. Bruce looks confused at Superman. Deadshot? What the hell was he doing in Metropolis? He said he was there to assassinate Senator Franks. I'm not sure if you know, Franks is a vocal opponent of Lex Luthor's policies. I know who Franks is. Well, 
He didn't stand a chance. We had a hit put on him, carried out by the man who never misses. Well, Hutton told me Luther was the one who hired him. Then he refused to pay the bounty to keep himself hidden from association with Deadshot. Not a bad idea, if you ask me. Luther's nailed on to win tonight. You're not called the world's greatest detective for nothing, Bruce. You could catch him. This wouldn't only permanently cripple his political career. This would put him behind bars for the rest of his life. Bruce looks away from Superman. My focus is here in Gotham, Clark. Luther can have the world if he wants it. My sole purpose now is finding the Joker. I'm going to end this once and for all. Bruce, do you understand what's going to happen if Luther gains control of this country? With the greatest of respect, Clark, that's really none of my business. Luther is your responsibility, not mine. At that moment, the intercom projects Alfred's voice around the cave. Master Bruce, our guest may be interested in seeing the latest news article, sir. Bruce turns on his monitors to a news article featuring the headline, Luther Wins Election. Lex appears on a stage emblazoned with his posters and banners. He raises his arms in the air in triumph as he reaches the podium, a look of sheer delight on his face. He speaks into the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it! Lex shouts the last words, causing his crowd to erupt in cheers and applause again. He raises his hand to call for silence. Ladies and gentlemen, I am beyond words. I am so... I'm not entirely sure the full weight of what has just happened has hit me yet. But there is one thing I want to say to you all and to the world. To help me deliver this solemn pledge is the commission of the Gotham Police Department. Ladies and gentlemen, Commissioner James Gordon! Bruce looks shocked as he watches Gordon walk across the stage to Lex, who holds his hand out. Gordon shakes his hand enthusiastically. Gordon takes to the podium. Ladies and gentlemen, after much deliberation, myself and President Luther here have come to a conclusion regarding the involvement of so-called superhero activities in our country. Some of you may well be aware that some months ago, my daughter Barbara was crippled in a fight between her and the criminal Harley Quinn which point Barbara was revealed to be the master vigilante known as Batman. Batman's involvement with the Gotham Police Department was ended that night. And on this night, President Luther and I come to you all with a change in American policies regarding superhuman activities. From this moment on, any and all persons shown to display any superhuman powers or executing vigilante justice is outlawed including and especially Superman of Metropolis and Batman of Gotham. It is time for their secret identity to become their own identity. It is time for them to join us or leave us. No more property destruction. No more fear of powers beyond our control. No more lives ripped apart in the name of their so-called justice. The crowd cheers as Lex and Gordon shake hands. Superman and Bruce watch the television in disbelief, then look to each other. 
Rain pounds outside the Bell Reef prison in the swamp marshes of Louisiana. An overweight and bearded prison guard sits eating pizza and watching the television on his desk. Not far away, Floyd Lawton is pushed into his small dark prison cell by two rough-looking guards. He's wearing an orange jumpsuit with the word life stamped across the back. Lawton sits down on his bed as his cell door is locked. From out of the shadows of the cell, Batman jumps down from the top of the doorframe and in front of Lawton. Lawton sits up and raises his eyebrows in surprise as he looks the Batman up and down. Wow, Gordon and Luther work fast. I'm not like you, Deadshot. <laughs> Our president suggests differently, Batman. What'd you do to piss Gordon off? He didn't take kindly to you letting the clown put his baby in a chair? Batman grabs Lawton off his bed, lifts him off the ground, and smashes him into the steel door of his cell. The two guards outside the prison cell look back at Lawton's cell but ignore the sound. Batman is holding Lawton off the ground by his jumpsuit. You mentioned that again. And Barbara won't be the only one who needs a wheelchair. Batman lets Lawton down and throws him across his cell onto the bed. <laughs> so, is there a reason you happen to be in my cell, Bat? Yes, there is. A friend of mine in Metropolis informed me the reason you were there was to take someone out on behalf of Luther. Lawton shrugs at Batman. Luther's money is as good as anyone else's. As long as they're not women or kids, and I'm well paid off, they'll find themselves on the end of my wrist gun. But Luther, being the double-crossing bastard that he is, didn't pay you. That's why you broke into his office. Man's gotta eat, Bat. I got a kid to support. Not anymore, you don't. I'll cut you a deal. Lawton raises his eyebrows, clearly interested. Go on. Get me the evidence Luther hired you for that hit. I'll make sure Zoe's properly looked after. Lawton looks up at Batman and stands up to face him. What assurance do I have you'll keep your word? What have you got to lose? Lawton takes a moment and considers before speaking to Batman. Luther's driver was the one who came to me for the hit. Find my mask. The eyepiece has a recorder in there. It won't get you Luther, but it will get you closer. Where's the mask? Lawton nods to the door. Effects room. Batman turns to the door of the cell, takes out his gun, and fires an explosive at it that blows the lock apart and steps into the corridor. Hope you make friends easy. The guards look around at the door being blown open and see Batman step out into the hallway. Batman throws a glass capsule to the ground and it explodes and instantly fills the corridor with smoke. The guards fire their guns wildly into the smoke as Batman uses his grappling gun to propel himself up and behind the guards. He approaches them from behind and smashes their heads together, knocking them both unconscious. Batman turns the corner and sees more guards approaching him. He hits one and knocks him out and grabs his body, throwing him at the other two guards, making them fall. Batman kicks them both in the head while they're on the ground, leaving the three of them unconscious. Four more guards are at the end of their corridor. Batman fires his explosive gun at their machine guns, causing them to blow apart in their hands. They all rush Batman. He kicks a leading one in the head, knocking them out, and despite the other guards' best attempts, Batman fights them all, and eventually the only one left standing is him. Batman eventually makes it to the effects room. He breaks into it and steps inside. Inside the personal effects room, Batman quickly scans the boxes until he finds one marked Lawton, F, Deadshot. 
he pulls the box down and rifles through it until he finds Deadshot's white mask and red eyepiece. The door busts open and guards flood the room. Batman runs forward and jumps through the window. The guards watch as he plummets to the ground. At the last minute, Batman's cape turns into a glider and he uses that to fly to the Batmobile. Inside the Batmobile, Batman settles into his seat and hears Alfred's voice as he lands. So, was your trip to the Bell Reef successful, Master Bruce? I got it, Alfred. I'm sending the footage over to you now. Can you have it analyzed by the time I get back? It's rendering as we speak, Master Bruce. I sometimes wonder why you're not the one in the cape and cowl, Alfred. As do I, sir. As do I. In the office of Perry White at the building of the Daily Planet is Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Clark Kent. Lois wears a smart blouse, skirt, and holds an iPad in her hands. Her long dark hair is pulled back into a ponytail. Jimmy wears a short sleeve shirt with, and bow tie flickering through a digital camera. Clark has his black hair parted at the side and wears his black framed glasses. They were all talking with the editor Perry White who sits behind his desk with his tie undone and a cigar in his mouth. Well, we may well be sitting on the biggest story of the century here and I want to hear what my three best men have for me. <coughs> okay, best woman, what do you have? We can take the opposite approach and go against Luther's ruling. We have to remain impartial, Lois. Perry, we all know whatever else he is, Superman is not evil. He has saved the city and its inhabitants countless times. And endangered their lives countless times. Perry is finishing writing words on a large piece of paper. He holds it up with the caption, So long, Superman. Bye-bye, Batman. Clark frowns at the headline. Well, I mean... I mean, Mr. White, sir, isn't that coming across a little like the tabloids? We need something to grab the attention of the audience, Kent. Olsen, do you have a picture of Batman and Superman together? Perry's secretary enters the office. Excuse me, Mr. White? Clark has a call waiting for him. Oh, um, excuse me, sir. Clark leaves the office and goes back to his desk. His phone is ringing. He answers the phone. Ken speaking. Batman stands in an office at LexCorp holding a phone to his mouth. Mr. Kent. I have a story you may well be interested in. From behind Batman sits Mercy Graves. Clark smiles at Batman's words. Lex is outside the laboratory as Superman lands before him. He steps up to Lex, who smiles at Superman. You could have sent a simple congratulations card. I'm not here to congratulate you, Luther. I'm here to arrest you. <laughs> Only one of us is a criminal here, Superman. I'm the President of the United States. You're a criminal in red boots and a cape. And just how do you intend on arresting me, Luther? I hope you're not laboring under the delusion that I intend to come quietly. I'm not going to do anything to you, Superman, but my friend behind these doors certainly is. Well, I intend to speak with him then. Lex places his hand on the security pad to open the doors, but Superman simply flies into the air and smashes his way through every one of them until he gets into Brainiac's laboratory. Brainiac stands facing Superman. Superman lands and walks towards him. Brainiac speaks to him and says, So, this is it. This is the Superman I've heard so much about. 
I am Superman. Who might you be? I am the physical embodiment of the being which caused you to come here in the first place, Kal-El. Superman's eyes go wide as Brainiac says his Kryptonian name. You. Are you a Kryptonian? I was the being which observed and monitored Krypton, trusted by all who viewed my 12th level intellect as their means to maintain Krypton. The only person who did not trust me was Jor-El. Superman's look goes from shock to fury. He grabs Brainiac and brings him close to his face. It was you. You were the being who denied my father's warning of Krypton's imminent destruction. By the time Jor-El had discovered my actions, it was too late. Krypton was already doomed. The one thing I did not foresee was Jor-El evacuating his child from Krypton and sending him here. Once my new body was formed, I was forced to find you and take precautions which would end the Kryptonians once and for all. I cannot leave you alive, Kal-El. Superman smiles confidently at Brainiac. Well, you're welcome to make an attempt on my life if you wish to do so. But I am the most powerful being on this earth, so I like my chances against you. I do not intend to destroy you, Kal-El. I'm fully aware I could never do that. So I intend to let something far more powerful than you do just that. From behind Brainiac is electrical shocks hitting a huge immobile body which Superman observes. Brainiac explains to Superman. The most prehistoric Kryptonian being. Brute power incarnate combined with the greatest intellect in the universe. Before Superman can stop him, Brainiac sticks his hand into the computer and dis disappears into it. The cable from the computers that attach themselves to the creature begin to glow, and with an ear-splitting roar, the creature awakens. Gray and brown in color, standing around 12 feet tall with glowing red eyes and long fangs for teeth. All over, the creature has protruding bones sticking out of its body. Doomsday has awoken. Before Superman gives Doomsday a chance to move, he flies straight at him and punches it hard. Doomsday falls backwards and crashes through the wall of the laboratory and into the city. Landing on the streets of Metropolis, Doomsday stands and flies at Superman, punching him, sending him flying off course and crashing to the ground. Superman wipes his face and sees the blood on the back of his hand. He flies into the air at Doomsday with both hands reached out and punches him into the ground. He forces him deeper and deeper until Doomsday grabs Superman with both hands to stop him and flies back up to the surface. Doomsday holds Superman and throws him as hard as he can away from him and into the building and the glass shattering all around him. From inside the Daily Planet, young Jimmy Olsen watches from the window the fight between Superman and Doomsday, taking pictures on his digital camera. He calls out to Lois. Miss Lane, you gotta come see this. Lois stands up from her desk and goes to look at the carnage before her. There's no question that Superman is losing to Doomsday. Doomsday is punching and knocking Superman all over the place every time Superman tries to get near him. Lois looks shocked and saddened at the sight before her. She speaks under her breath. Clark. Superman is knocked to the ground again by Doomsday. 
His face is bloody, his suit and cape are torn, and his flight is unbalanced. He doesn't look like he has anything left in him. Down in the Batcave, Bruce Wayne stands in front of his television watching amateur cell phone recorded footage of the fight between Superman and Doomsday. He looks horrified at Superman being so viciously and brutally beaten by Doomsday. Oh, God. Back in Metropolis, Doomsday hits Superman once again to the ground, and this time he doesn't get up. The crowd watching all look on in shock at the possibility that Doomsday has just killed the Man of Steel. Doomsday looks all around them and roars. The crowd screams and run away, but Doomsday unleashes a massive blast of heat vision at them all. From behind Doomsday, he is lifted off the ground by a bloodied but determined looking Superman. Once he and Doomsday are thousands of feet above the earth, Superman begins to punch and fire heat vision at Doomsday like nothing has ever experienced before. He breaks the largest bone from Doomsday's body and stabs him in the chest with it. Doomsday roars in pain as Superman forces the bone deeper into his body. With an almighty swing, Doomsday hits Superman and sends him flying back to the city while Doomsday falls with him. They both land back on the street in Metropolis. Superman lands on the ground, completely exhausted and beaten. Doomsday is stirring, and while he is beaten and hurt too, Superman has come off far worse. Lex Luthor watches from the ruin of the laboratory. Finish it, finish it, come on, kill him! Superman opens his eyes just wide enough to see Doomsday coming for him. As he moves slowly now, his intentions are clear and Superman closes his eyes. Doomsday is almost at Superman, but will all of a sudden stops and screams out in pain as his body writhes and shakes until his face goes still. His body goes limp and he falls to the ground with an almighty ground-shaking thud. Doomsday is dead. From behind Doomsday, Batman is holding a spear with a glowing green end stabbed deep into his body at the back of his neck. From the laboratory, Lex looks shocked at what he has just witnessed. Oh, you mother... Batman looks over at Superman. From the crowd, Lois Lane comes running to where Superman is laying. Clark! Clark, it's me! It's Lois! Superman opens his eyes to see Lois. <coughs> Lois, is it over? It's over, Clark. He's gone. It was Batman. Batman approaches Superman and kneels with Lois. You saved us all. I just pitched in at the end there. You did all the hard work. <laughs> we, we did good then, Bruce. <clears throat> For the final time. Tears fall down Lois's face as she holds Superman to her. Batman speaks to Superman. You were the hero. I could never be Superman. Thank you. For saving us all one last time. In your honor, I promise I will finish what you asked of me. Superman trembles as he holds up his hand, which Batman takes and holds. Batman picks up Superman's ripped cape, steps back, and allows Superman his final moments with Lois. Superman smiles up at Lois. We, uh, <laughs> we, we had a good run. Please, Clark. I can't live without you. Superman takes her hand. You are the strongest person I've ever known, Lois Lane. You made me want to be accepted on this planet. You are my world. You taught me what it was to be one of you. I, I love you. I love you too, Superman.
Lois leans down and kisses Superman one last time. Superman smiles at her and his eyes close. The last son of Krypton is dead. Still in the laboratory, Lex Luthor watches as Batman approaches him. A look of sheer fury on his face. Lex backs up and holds his hands up. Now, now, Batman, listen to me. Maybe we could cut a deal. Now I know you're going to love... Batman punches Lex on the chin, knocking him unconscious. Lois and Jimmy walk through the streets of Metropolis. On a newspaper stand is the front page of the Daily Planet, and the caption reads, Farewell, Superman. Accompanied by a photograph of Superman battling Doomsday. Back at the laboratory, Lex is handcuffed and led out by two police officers. He's trying to resist, but the cops keep him restrained. Giant screens around Metropolis City Center show the news headline, Lex Luthor arrested for suspected murder and terrorism. A world without Superman as the Man of Steel falls. On a dark evening outside the Washington Monument, a black hearse arrives. The road is closed off by barriers that hold back thousands of mourners dressed in black. The men in the car step out and open the back door where Superman's coffin is. At that point from the crowd, four people step out. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and Green Lantern, all dressed in full costume. From the end of the street, a red flash of color runs all the way, and the four heroes are joined by the flash. Finally from the sky, her red cape blowing in the wind lands Supergirl. Tears fall from her eyes as she sees her cousin's coffin emblazoned with his Kryptonian symbol. The Flash looks at Supergirl and puts an arm around her. Come on, one last time for the Man of Steel. Kal-El. His name was Kal-El. The Justice League walk forward towards the soldiers standing in Superman's casket. Wonder Woman holds out a hand to the soldiers that the rest of the League follow suit in doing. She speaks to them. We'll handle that. The League takes Superman's casket from the car, lift it up to their shoulders, and walk it to the church with soldiers and mourners walking behind them. In the crowd, Lois Lane puts her arm around Martha Ken, who holds a handkerchief to her red eyes. From a rooftop overlooking the progression of soldiers, superheroes, and mourners stands Batman. A look of stern sadness on his face as he watches his friends carrying Superman's coffin. After the funeral, back in the Batcave, Bruce Wayne and Alfred stand watching 20 television screens and make up the sonar map of Gotham. Bruce is wearing the Batsuit, again without his cowl, and observes the screens with an obsessive longing. Where is she, Alfred? She's the only one left now. Gordon's either locked up or killed all the others. It's just Harley who can lead me to Joker now. Alfred looks at Bruce concerned. If I might, Master Bruce... Further to what we discussed recently, I don't want to hear it, Alfred. I find her, I'll find him. Eventually, Bruce finally locates Harley Quinn on the map and looks at it with the bloodlust in his eyes. Gotcha, you crazy bitch. Bruce pulls his cow over his face and heads for the Batmobile, looking back at Alfred. Send her tracker to my computer, Alfred. As you wish, sir. Alfred types into the computer as Batman speeds off into the night. Harley Quinn skips her way down Height Street, swinging her baseball bat around in her hands until she stops outside a jewelry store and sees a necklace with a huge ruby. Pretty. 
Harley takes her bat and smashes the window of the shop. She picks up the necklace, slips it in her pocket, and carries on walking down the street until she hears the sound of a car behind her. At the end of the street, Batman drives towards Harley. She sees the Batmobile and raises her bat high. Oh, you want to play, do you, Bats? Come on, then. Batman speeds faster and faster at Harley. Her confident look starts to drop ever so slightly. As Batman is within 10 feet of Harley, he slams on his brakes and swerves the back of the Batmobile, hitting Harley, knocking her across the street into a wall, knocking her unconscious. Batman gets out of the Batmobile and approaches the unconscious Harley Quinn. He kicks her into her back and observes her. She has blood dripping from her head where she hit the wall. Batman's face is expressionless as he picks up Harley and takes her to the Batmobile. Laying her unconscious body on the passenger seat, he reaches into her jacket where he finds her cell phone. He speeds off into the night. Sitting in his lair, Joker is surrounded by hundreds of guns and knives. He appears to be practicing some kind of knife trick as he flips his knife in his hands and kicks him around targets and dummies in the room. From his pocket comes a ringing phone. The Joker rolls his eyes. Oh, God damn it! what do you want, you obsessive bitch? The Joker takes out his phone and answers it. Hello there, my dear. Not the voice you were expecting to hear. The Joker looks up, genuinely surprised. Batman? Joker. I'll give you this one, Bats. You silly took me by surprise there. Can you tell me why you have my dearly beloved's phone? Why don't you ask her yourself? Puddin, Puddin, please help me. This all ends tonight, clown. One way or another. Where are you? Where she murdered Jason. The line goes dead. Joker drops his phone and grins broadly. From the roof of a warehouse, Batman watches the street below. Behind him, Harley Quinn is tied to a chair with a wire from Batman's grappling gun. She looks demented with her wild hair and blood on her face and her mouth. Oh, just you wait till my Mr. J gets here, Bats. He ain't gonna hold back this time. We're gonna kill you together. This'll be one we tell our kids one day. Batman is not listening to Harley. He is watching as Joker's custom purple sports car pulls up outside the warehouse. He gets out of the car, looks up to the silhouette of Batman on the rooftop. He grins at him and enters the warehouse. Batman waits, looking at the front door for Joker to enter. Finally, the door opens and the Joker stands there before him. He looks from Harley to Batman and then back to Hartley, and he speaks to the Batman. I'll be with you in just one second. Joker approaches Harley, who beams to see her pudding. Pudding? I knew you'd come from... Harley doesn't get to finish her sentence, and at that exact moment, Joker punches her square in the face, knocking her to the ground. The Joker crouches down and grabs Harley by her shirt. Were you stupid enough to delude yourself into thinking I was ever truly interested in you? You were a means to an end to me, Harleen, and now you've got yourself caught by the bat. You've finally become so useless... I don't even want you around anymore. But put it, I... Stop calling me that! The Joker starts to kick and punch Harley while she's on the ground, only to be tackled by Batman. The Joker stands up and laughs. 
Was this really your attempt to get to me? You really thought I was going to come dashing in to save her? Do you have any kind of concept of humor, Batman? No. I've always known you never really cared about her. Batman looks back at the sobbing and bleeding Harley on the ground. I tried to tell you so long ago, Harley. Batman looks back at the Joker. I just needed something of yours to get you out here. You start to think and plan the way I do. I was right when I told you we were destined to do this forever. We truly are the same, Batman. I never wanted to believe you when you told me that. Now I realize you were right. How many people have I let die by keeping you alive? The Joker rolls his eyes. Yes, well, this has all been so tremendously boring. We've done this time and time again. Maybe I was wrong to keep you alive this long. Maybe I was waiting for the moment that would never come. You said it all ends tonight. Well, I'm starting to think I agree with you. <laughs> I wanted to help you. I wanted to make you better. The Joker runs at Batman, pushing him to the ground and screaming at him. I don't want to be fixed. You can't sell a dream to a person who's only ever lived a nightmare. Why don't you understand this about me yet? I am this way, and it's who I am now. You don't know a thing about me. You don't know who I was. You don't know what I've been through. Hell, I don't even know what I've been through anymore. <laughs> All I know is something happened which broke me so badly I became unbreakable. I laughed because crying would hurt too much. I have no more tears to cry, so I only laugh, and that's just fine by me. If the world lived their lives like I do, we'd all be so much happier. The whole world would be laughing. <laughs> I am beyond good and evil. I am beyond reason. I am beyond insanity. I am beyond your rules. I am simply the Joker. <laughs> You're pathetic. What did you say to me? You can talk like this maniacal mastermind all you want, but what has your life actually amounted to? Nothing but pain and misery. Look at Harleen for a second. Just look at her. You have destroyed this woman's life. And for what? A quick laugh at a stroke of your ego? There are thousands more out there in the same position. Because of you, you are nothing more than a bullying, cackling lunatic who gets his kicks hurting people weaker than himself. The Joker looks down at the sobbing woman on the ground. His expression stays still. The only smile is the one fixed on his face. No more. This ends tonight. From his belt, the Joker pulls a crowbar and lunges at Batman. Batman kicks it out of his hand and it lands in front of Harley who looks down at it and up at Batman and the Joker. A look of murderous, psychotic bloodlust in her eyes. Batman and Joker continue to fight until Batman throws him up against the wall. Joker straightens up and looks at Batman. He begins to laugh. <laughs> you know, for a brief second there, I thought you were for real this time. 
I thought maybe this was the night I was gonna die. Clearly I was wrong! Batman runs at Joker. From behind him, he hears an ear-splitting scream that makes him turn around. Ah! Harley is running at the Joker with a demented, crazed look in her eyes and the crowbar raised high above her head. Joker looks from Harley back to Batman and they're the same distance away from him. From a distance, the Joker is knocked backwards and falls from the rooftop. He screams his final ear-splitting screeching laugh as he plummets onto his purple car in a bloody heap. (laughs) He is dead. From the rooftop, Batman and Harley look down at Joker's mangled body and then to each other. For a brief moment, they simply stare at each other dumbstruck until eventually Harley bursts into wailing tears. Collapses into Batman's arms as she loses consciousness. He holds her close to him and relaxes his breathing as he begins to comprehend that his greatest and most formidable foe is finally gone. Outside Arkham Asylum, rain pounds the walkway to the gigantic gray stone building with the words Arkham Asylum emblazoned over the double doors. Batman exits the Batmobile, picks up the unconscious Quinn, and approaches the doorway. The doors open, and a man wearing a white coat brings a wheeled stretcher that Batman lays Harley's body on. He stops the doctor as he's about to wheel Harley away. Make sure she's looked after. Please, cure her if you can. The doctor nods to Batman and wheels Harley away from him down a long and dark corridor. The Batman watches as Harley is taken away and turns from her for the very last time. Commissioner Gordon sits in a living room with his wheelchair-bound daughter, Barbara. There's a knock at the door. Gordon looks around, then steps to his front door and opens it slowly. On his doorstep, there's a large black box, which Gordon opens. He takes out a piece of paper displaying the message, For the final time, farewell from your eternal friend. Gordon opens the box and finds an exoskeleton molded to fit a pair of legs. Gordon's face is unreadable until the mouth turns to a hint of a smile. At her doctor, Barbara has the exoskeleton attached to her waist and thighs and is solely confident walking again to Dick Grayson, who is standing on the other side of the office and embraces her as she reaches him. At Wayne Manor, Bruce Wayne and Alfred stand at the entrance to the Batcave. Bruce seals the door shut and uses a sledgehammer to destroy the coded handprint lock, making it impossible to ever re-enter. Bruce looks to Alfred. Well, Alfred, am I doing the right thing? You have completed what you set out to do. Master Bruce, Gotham will always need a hero. Maybe so, but that hero does not have to be the Batman. I'm proud of you, sir. Your parents would be proud of you. Alfred holds out his arms and embraces Bruce. On the ground behind Bruce is a black leather luggage bag. On the roof of a building, the same bag Bruce took from the Batcave is open before Dick Grayson. He stands wearing a black Batman suit that displays a blue bird over his chest. He dons his black eye mask and takes certain gadgets from the bag that he tucks into his utility belt and uses a grappling hook to jump from the building. Bruce Wayne sits alone at a bar, drinking scotch. 
He looks up at the TV displaying the caption, New Hero in Town, after the bat's disappearance. Bruce smiles wryly to himself as he lowers his head. At that point, the door opens and Selena Kyle enters the bar. She raises her eyebrows as she notices Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, drinking down here with us common scum. You see people for who they really are on the streets, Miss Kyle. Wouldn't you agree? I certainly would, Mr. Wayne. With the shocking announcement you made this morning regarding your retirement from Wayne Enterprises. Sometimes you gotta do what's right for yourself. Let me ask you some questions, Mr. Wayne. What it was that made the billionaire prince of Gotham, rich boy Bruce Wayne, finally turn his back on his calling in life? Bruce smiles to himself as he pours another whiskey from the bottle in front of him and slides it to Selena. Pour yourself a drink, Miss Kyle. This will be a very long story. Batman Alone, written and directed by Henry J. Wentworth. Produced by Potescu Podcast. Executive producer, Rico DiGiorgio. Audio engineering and editing by CJ. Narrated by CJ. Starring Rico DiGiorgio as Harvey Dent Two-Face. Harvey Dent's driver, Penguin Goon One. Oswald Cobblebot Penguin. Jason Todd Robin. The Joker, Dick Grayson Robin, Harvey Bullock, Lex Luthor, Deadshot Thug One, Perry White, Henry Wentworth as Bruce Wayne Batman, Alfred Pennyworth, Commissioner Jim Gordon, and Brainiac, Rebecca Gibson as Harleen Harley Quinn Quinzel, Barbara Gordon Batgirl, Lex Luthor's secretary, Perry White's secretary, Diana Prince Wonder Woman. Mark B. Writing as Deadshot Thug Number 2, ER Doctor, Gangster Number 1, Clark Kent Superman. Stephanie as Dr. Allen, News Anchor, Lois Lane, Mercy Graves, and Selena Kyle Catwoman. Midnight Smoke as Deadshot Thug Number 1, Hospital Receptionist, Floyd Lawton Deadshot, Barry Allen Flash. CJ as Computer, Deadshot Thug Number 2, Jimmy Olsen. Bruce Wayne Batman, Dick Grayson Robin, Commissioner James Gordon, The Joker, Harvey Dent Two-Face, Oswald Cobblepot Penguin, Selena Kyle Catwoman, all created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Jason Todd Robin, created by Jerry Conway and Don Newton. Barbara Gordon Batgirl, created by William Dozer, Julia Schwartz, and Carmine Anfantino. Alfred Pennyworth, created by Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson. Harvey Bullock, created by Archie Goodwin and Howard Chaikin. Harleen Quinzel, Harley Quinn, created by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. Floyd Lawton Deadshot, created by David Vern Reed, Lou Schwartz, and Bob Kane. Clark Kent, Superman, Lois Lane, James Jimmy Olsen, Alexander Lex Luthor, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Perry White, created by George Putnam London, Mercy Graves, created by Paul Dini and Bruce Tim. Brainiac, created by Otto Binder and Al Plastino. Doomsday, created by Dan Jurgens. Kara Zor-El, Supergirl, created by Otto Binder and Al Plastino. Barry Allen Flash, created by Robert Kanger and Carmine Infantino. 
Diana Prince Wonder Woman, created by William Mountain Marston and H.G. Peter. Arthur Carey Aquaman, created by Mort Weisinger and Paul Norris. Victor Stone Cyborg, created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Hal Jordan Green Lantern, created by John Broom and Gil Kane. All the aforementioned characters are the property of DC Comics, the publishing unit of DC Entertainment, a subsidiary of Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated. Dr. Allen and Iris Monroe all and all unnamed characters created by Henry Wentworth. Batman Evolution available on the album Wonders by the Piano Guys. The Batman theme from the 1989 movie is by Danny Elfman. Like a Dog Chasing Cars from the Dark Knight Trilogy is by Hans Zimmer from 2008. really thought that I'm dead. I always come back. <laughs> Damn it. Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light. Ow! 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 Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. Please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.